everybody, and welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and I'm pumped to have you here. Today, we are talking with my friend, Robert Meister. Rob is an entrepreneur in the food industry and has been working 12 years independently running his own restaurants. His latest venture is called Salad Meister, which is now just over a year old and is going to be expanding across the entire U.S., As you can probably guess by the name, Salad Meister serves some awesome salads, but more importantly, they serve up guilt-free food. And today, Rob and I are talking about exactly what that means. To Rob, guilt-free food means that we can eat with a clean conscience, knowing that what we're eating has been ethically and sustainably produced and isn't going to hurt our environment in any way. Today's conversation revolves around two main topics of environmental sustainability and healthy eating. I love seeing these two topics come together, especially in an affordable restaurant like Salad Meister, where we can eat guilt-free. In this conversation, Rob and I will start out talking about the problems that exist in the food industry and the results that are taking place and hurting our planet. We're also going to talk about how restaurants and how we as individuals can help to reduce our footprint and what we should be looking for in the foods that we eat and the restaurants that we support. Next, Rob and I talk about clean eating and why his restaurant chooses to serve local, organic, and all-natural foods and why this is so important for our health. We also address some myths that are associated with clean eating and, once again, what we should be looking for in the foods that we're eating and the restaurants that we're supporting. This conversation is a great starting point for talking about an eco-friendly and clean living lifestyle. If this is something that's new to you but that you're interested in learning more about, Rob is going to make you feel really at ease. He has a lot of knowledge on these topics, but he really emphasizes how he wants to be welcoming to people that aren't used to these things. We shouldn't walk into health food stores and local organic restaurants and feel like outsiders. We should truly feel welcomed and ready to learn, and that's what Rob is set out to do. So don't be overwhelmed by what you hear in this conversation and what you learn, but instead be thinking about how you can start to make little changes here and there that will no doubt have a resounding impact. Enjoy this conversation with Rob Meister and get ready to be enlightened. All right. Hey, Rob. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Can you start by introducing yourself to everybody? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My name is Rob Meister. I'm from Champaign, Illinois. I've been an entrepreneur for 12 years now. I started when I was uh, 24 years old with my first restaurant. And in the past year, I have started a new concept that I'm hoping is going to be a new chain for millennials to be able to have guilt-free food. I love it. And I was trying to think about how we actually met. I guess we just met through my husband, right? Yes, I believe so. Okay. And that was when, before you opened the restaurant chain that you own now. Yep. Um, so you've been a restaurant owner for a long time now, right? Yes, ma'am. I've been, I, start, uh, I started a little over 12 years ago. I went from being a manager at uh, Flat Top Grill and then I just decided that I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to be able to decisions and change things. And there's kind of only one way to do that. You have to take on the risk of being a business owner. Yes. Yeah, definitely risky. And so, but your restaurant that you started has been going really well from what I know about it. So can you tell everybody about Salad Meister and kind of just your missions and your heart behind starting it? Absolutely. So um, operating full service restaurants, I saw a lot of things that were really 
it, it was getting tougher every year to try to battle a lot of the big chains that they're kind of in a race to the bottom. A lot of them are just trying to provide the cheapest food they can. And the more cheap that food is, most of the time it's also not healthy. Mm-hmm. And full service restaurants also take up a lot of resources. The average full service restaurant will throw away anywhere from 200 to 300 pounds of trash every day. So that's per yeah. restaurant. And you think about the millions of restaurants we have. Yeah. The more I started to look at that model, I didn't feel like I was doing anything that was going to have a long-term impact on people or, or using green products or anything that I felt like was truly positive. So I sat down and I tr- started trying to design something that all I had in my head is what is everything that my generation wants? And I knew that they were going to demand something be affordable, but that it also be convenient and that it needed to be something that wasn't going to kill people eventually by being unhealthy for them. Mm -hmm. And I knew that going green was going to be one of the pivotal things I wanted to offer. So the more I kept reworking the idea over two and a half, three years, I started to really make it smaller and more refined every time I looked at it. And so I got rid of a lot of things that most restaurants use. Like we don't use oil to cook, so we don't need fryers. We don't need a grease trap. We don't need to use harsh chemicals to clean things. Uh, There's a lot of that stuff that I was able to pull out by just offering healthy food. And that gave me more leeway in my budgeting to be able to make everything green. So that way, all of our containers are biodegradable. All of the packaging that we get is recyclable. Anything that we can that's paper is paper. Like paper is a wonderful product because it is by itself the most renewable and compostable thing we've got to use. Mm. So I really just wanted to provide people with what I knew they wanted and what I wanted as a millennial. And that's how I was able to design this. And it's been going great so far. Well, that's awesome. And so it's kind of focused on health of people and health of the planet, which a lot of people care about both those things or at least one of those things so that's great so I'm sure um, people listening are very intrigued right now and it's called Salad Meister right and how how many actual restaurants are there now so we have we have one that is up and operational it just celebrated its first year and now the phase two of it is that we have 10 stores that are going to be opening in the next two years Okay. Wow. And that is that across the nation now, or is it all? It will be. It will be across the nation eventually. The okay. plan is is that right right now we are looking for the the best hundred places to put them. So that's places like uh, Nashville, uh, Tennessee. That's places like Tampa Bay, Florida. That's places that are like Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. Denver, Colorado. All these places are in there. So we're going to have a very widespread growth in a short period of time. And the idea really behind that is to test out as many markets as we can, because as much as the goal is, like you said, to provide people, you know, green, healthy food and green for the environment that it's not going to have an impact. We also, unfortunately, because businesses have got to turn a profit, we have to know where it's going to be able to work. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to do is we're going to try 10 of the 100 best locations to really get a good idea about, is this something that people are going to love and accept and be able to go to on a regular basis to make it a viable business model? Wow, that's really amazing. And was that what you 
were imagining when you started Salad Meister, or was it was your thought just, oh, I, I want to do this in my hometown, or were you dreaming of it would be a nationwide thing? I really was dreaming of a nationwide thing from the get go because in my head, like like we talked about in the setup, I think I think a lot of us want to we don't just want to see the problems and hope for a solution. We want to find the solution and be a part of it. So for me in my head, every restaurant that I'm able to open, I'm going to be able to provide people a better option that has less impact than whatever restaurant I'm replacing. So if I move into a neighborhood and I'm, and I'm growing as a business, then obviously people are going to have to pick and choose where they eat. And I'm hoping that the more of them that choose salad Meister that they are not only eating better for the health of themselves, but they're eating better for the health of the planet. And that's my whole goal is how many of those can I do? Yeah, that's great. I wanted to ask you also part part of your values outside of making the planet a better place, making or helping people to be healthier. Part of your values is charitable giving. So did you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. That kind of fills in exactly what issues that I'm seeing a lot. Um, Like I grew up in Urbana and I grew up in a uh, pretty poor part of it. And a lot of the kids that are going to school there are obviously poor kids too. And they're not eating anything even remotely considered healthy food. So that was part of the charitable giving that I wanted to do is we started a program that was called Salad for Sprouts which we give healthy options to kids at schools. We have them kind of fill out a lottery for which school, which age group, which classes we're going to be feeding. And then we notify them that they've won and we give them free healthy lunches. And so Salad Meister is just trying to fill that gap where we're trying to provide a healthy option to kids just to also give them a good idea about what the difference is between healthy and not healthy are. You know, you'll, you'll talk to a kid who is eight, nine, 10 years old And they legitimately think or someone has told them that potato chips are healthy because they come from a vegetable. Mm. So so you're having to fight that. And once they have an idea about what healthy food actually is, you're introducing them to a new line of thinking and a new better understanding. And that's a huge help. But really, it's just it's it's the same thing with adults. But more importantly, with children, you just want to try to set them on the right track. Yeah. And that's what I like about Salad Meister as a concept is it, it introduces people to healthy eating. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think, too, with that, a lot of people think that eating healthy means spending more money. And so I think it's really cool that mm-hmm. you're on a mission to help people who don't have a lot of money. But also something I've noticed just from eating at Salad Meister is that I don't feel like it's very expensive, even though it's healthy and you get local organic ingredients. So how do you keep it low cost? Yeah, that is one of the hardest things that it took. So that is the beauty of how I was able to get it started. If anybody else just said, well, I want to start a health eating salad place, which there's a lot of, there's probably over a hundred different types of health eating places in the Mm -hmm. country. A lot of them are going in brand new. They don't have any long-term relationships or any food contracts for pricing. So I saw that that was a huge issue for a lot of people was that the cost was so high that nobody could offer anything for less than 12 or $13. So I started to research all the reasons why that was happening and the food cost was part of it. So what I did was I, I went to people and I said, look, I'm doing one store to start, but that I'm going to do stores very quickly. So you'll go from giving me a portion of your food 
to guarantee that all of your food is going to be purchased. So I need you to give me scaled pricing for what that, that is going to look like. And I made deals with the providers for if I buy 20% of your product, 40% of your product, 80% of your product, or if you know every single week that you can sell me everything you've got ready to go, what is that going to look like? And that was a huge, huge help to push down the food pricing with my contract. I'm, I'm paying much, much, much better prices for one store than most other businesses are paying when they have 20. And it was mostly just because I worked out deals. Then on top of that, I knew that a lot of the charges was coming from the cost of overhead and the cost of waste. So I also built programs within our business that we have a really, really low food waste. A lot of businesses will operate anywhere from a three to 5% food waste. So three to 5% of what you're budgeting is just going in the garbage. For us, we hover between a half of a percent and one and a half percent. So that also is just anything that's not going in the garbage, then you're able to save those costs when you're charging people money for it. Hmm. Uh, then the final thing was that the, the overhead itself, most of the other concepts I've looked at, and I am not, I would never ever degrade or talk poorly about another business model, but a lot of the ones that I've seen that are becoming national, like Freshy, Sweet Green, core life. A lot of those places have a business model that requires a 3000 square foot building, a 2,500 square foot building. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that stuff is very hard to tame sure. for heating and cooling costs, for water usage, for your build out, how much, how much land you have to take. All that mm -hmm. adds up for the expense of operating. And they all have to add that into the cost of their product. So for me, a salad meister can fit in something as small as 800 square feet. And the mm -hmm. store that I have in Champagne is 1200. So my, my green energy that I'm using, my, my, my LED lights, my um, restricted water usage, not using harsh chemicals, not having to have a grease trap, not having to have a hood system. The average restaurant, like my old full service restaurant would use around $3,000 a month of power and $1,200 a month of gas. Salad Meister's power bill is between three and four hundred dollars, and we don't use gas. Mm. So we have we have just eviscerated one major problem that costs food to cost more, which is big overhead. Yeah, we have such a small overhead, and we're getting such good price on our food, and we have such little food waste that we're able to offer a twelve dollar salad for ten bucks. Well, that's really cool, and that leads us kind of into what I wanted to talk about next was just the environmental sustainability portion of why this was important to address in the restaurant industry. And you touched on this a little bit already. I think it's really encouraging to me because I know about a lot of the problems that our world is facing with sustainability. And it's hard to feel like I'm making a difference as just one person in my own household. You know, even if I reduce my waste a lot mm -hmm. or whatever it is, that's great, but that's definitely not making as much of an impact as a restaurant chain could have if they started trying to reduce food waste. Exactly. So can you just kind of exactly. describe generally, you touched on some of them already, but just the biggest problems that you saw in environmental sustainability in the restaurant industry, what are the biggest issues and maybe what are their effects also? Absolutely. So that's one of the that's one of the hard parts about the industry is that it is probably one of the biggest consumers of product. Mm -hmm. It's for good reason. It's to feed people. It's to entertain people. 
but a single restaurant in a day can make as much garbage as you do in three months. Mm -hmm. So it speaks very much to what you're saying. Like a lot of us want to feel like part of the solution and we should, even on a small individual level in our own homes or for one person in a one bedroom apartment, we should still try and do our best. Mm -hmm. But that's why it's important to have the industry recognize that going green is viable because for a long time, the industry knew that wasn't possible. We, we as an industry are unfortunately in love with plastics because they're cheap. We're in love with products that are frozen because they're cheap, but a frozen product, you have to, you have to spend hundreds of dollars keeping it cool in a walk-in freezer and simultaneously use oil and heat gas heating to keep a fryer hot then you've got to deal with the fact that a lot of that stuff that you're serving people is unhealthy and it's coming in packaging that's not anywhere near anything that can be considered green yeah so that's why this is going to be an it is definitely going to be an uphill battle and has yeah but i'm always honest with people about that because i feel like it's one that's worth fighting yeah so for, for me, like that's what I want to do is I want to show not just people on an individual level that they can come by themselves to a place and not feel guilty because they're eating a healthy product and they're eating something that's in a biodegradable bowl with a biodegradable fork. But also on a global level, I want to show more people in the industry that these are viable options for them to pursue. Get paper straws, even though they're two cents more expensive than plastic. Mm-hmm. And that's what's hard is that a lot of a lot of big restaurant chains like Starbucks, you know, for them to switch from plastic to paper straws is probably going to cost them around twenty million dollars a year. Mm. Now they have money for sure, yeah, but that's still twenty million dollars. You got to explain <laughs> that you're yeah. going to be willing to spend. So that's why I think that it has to be coupled with cost saving measurements of green energy use because if it's just if you go to restaurants and you just say hey just spend more money just to feel better unfortunately most of them are not going to do that right but when i do when i do other talks about going green what i did a few years ago is i i created an energy savings budget and i looked at by having you know led lamps and bulbs and i have and i have really low energy usage as far as we have six refrigerators in the whole place and we have one oven that runs off of hydroelectric water Hmm. if i can show people that those are viable changes that save them two three four hundred dollars a month in power yeah well instead of just looking at that two or three hundred dollars as savings look at it as as something as an operating budget for green and that's what i do my my biodegradable bowls are about a hundred dollars a week more expensive than plastic but I'm saving about $400 a month in energy by going by having green products and green equipment, energy star equipment. So in my mind, I'm going green, but I'm breaking even. It's not costing me any more. I'm just taking the budget that I've allowed and I'm spending it on green products. That makes sense. And something you mentioned earlier was the issue with food waste. And can you kind of define what that means? I mean, most of us know what food waste is, but to us in our households, that's probably different than what it looks like in restaurants. So can you tell us maybe a little bit more about that part of it? Sure, absolutely. So there are several parts of it, and I'll try to make it as non-boring as possible. But (laughs) but what what it is is that 
as restaurants have faced more and more challenges to meet their minimums and their overhead, you'll notice that portion sizes have gotten larger over the years. Mm-hmm. There is some places that have tried to help make it more reasonable and small, but by and large, the industry is trying to get the customer to spend more per time they visit. So instead of $15 for X amount of food, they want to charge $18 for Y, which is bigger. And that creates a lot of waste because people sit down and they'll eat and they'll say, oh my gosh, I could never finish this. And then there's people that forget, they don't, they either don't take their leftovers or they do take their leftovers and forget about them in their, in their fridge. But even if they do remember their leftovers, even if they do take them home and do eat them, they've still used an extra styrofoam container Mm -hmm. to get there. So it's two forms of waste. It's not just food waste, but it's product waste. You're using more non-green friendly products to get that food home. So what I did was I worked with dietitians and nutritionists to decide what is the exact amount of food that I want to give people as an average. And we came up with that 32 fluid ounces would be the ideal. It will fill just about anybody up. And since the container itself is already the to-go container and it's already biodegradable, Mm -hmm. we're not adding anything. So if you come in and you get a wrap and like a lot of my friends will go in and they have half a wrap and they're full. Yeah. Well, if you're taking home the other half, you're taking it home in the bowl we already gave you and it's already biodegradable. Mm -hmm. So we're not adding any kind of waste as far as throwing food in the garbage and we're not adding any waste as you know, creating more styrofoam or plastic out there. And that's why I think it's important for people to understand that in a restaurant, it's very easy to get to the end of a month and you've charged more for people to eat more. But a lot of that has just gone into the garbage or worse, it's left in plastic and styrofoam and maybe gotten eaten and maybe not. Yeah, that's, you brought up some really good points and In case anybody's listening and didn't know this, that styrofoam is very, very, very bad for the earth, as is plastic, because it's really polluting our ocean. So that's a good point Mm -hmm. to bring up. Um, So I encourage people to do more research on that. And with that, uh, when you say that your containers are biodegradable or they can be recycled, can you maybe talk about that part too? Because that's something I think about a lot in restaurants is just the not just the food waste because so much food gets uneaten or goes bad or whatever it is but also just the waste of other types of things that are going in the garbage so can you talk about that problem as well and then i i guess maybe even just tell people what it means for your containers to be biodegradable yeah it it means a lot to me because what we what we use for a lot of our promotions is the the slogan or the hashtag guilt-free food and that plays right along into it is I, I want it to be guilt-free because it's healthy so you don't have to feel bad about eating it. Yeah. But also because you're having it served by somebody who's not getting paid minimum wage. We don't pay minimum wage to anybody in the company at any point. And you're getting it in a biodegradable container. And that's, that's what I really had a hard time going at, but I knew it was important is there's a lot of places that are healthy eating that you go in and they make you something in a ceramic bowl and you're you're getting it and eating it and then they're taking the ceramic bowl back and washing it. Now that is far, far better than using plastic or styrofoam, but it's still using a lot of water and a lot of power and a lot of chemicals to clean all those. 
And so that was one of the hardest things for me to decide as I just knew in my heart, I wanted to have green products, but it was very difficult to come to terms with spending that much more money just so that you could have something be more green. And so I had to, I had to use, you know, justifying that with money that I was saving other places, but also just feeling like it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And so that's, that's why I just, I knew that at minimum, at minimum, the container I was serving things into people needed to be biodegradable. And at minimum, the fork needed to be biodegradable. Everything else I want to try that, that might not be 100% green because there's definitely arguments to be said for, or even if you get plastic and recycle it, it's still a problem. And some of the products that are paper products don't recycle properly. So there's still a lot of things that, I would like to try to get changed in the future that are out of my hands now. Mm-hmm. When, when someone ships you romaine lettuce and it's not in a recyclable box, it stings. But you, at this point, I'm not big enough to be able to make demands. So hopefully in the future, that's one of the parts of the reasons that I want to grow so much is that if we have more buying power, then we can affect everybody on a more positive level of just saying, all right, now that we're buying enough you know, of your, of your spring mix lettuce or your romaine lettuce. Now, can we get these in cardboard boxes that are recyclable and people are more likely to make those changes with you if you're buying enough product from them? So, so with that, you're saying that it's more important for, for your products to be biodegradable than to be recyclable. Yeah. In my head, you can give people recyclable stuff all day, but the statistics are stark when you actually look at how many people are taking those with them and recycling, yeah, uh, a really big chunk of those are just going in the garbage because a lot of people just hear recyclable and they're just like, Oh, well, if I just put it in the trash, that's not biodegradable. That's, that's totally different things like, you know, compostable, biodegradable, recyclable. These are all very different things. And the reason yeah. why I like using biodegradable and compostable things is that, something something that is recyclable has got to go through the correct steps to be able to be recycled something that's biodegradable or compostable has a better chance of being able to still quote unquote return to the earth without extra steps and then therefore people are more likely to actually you know see it biodegrade or compost instead of just hoping that if they throw it in the garbage everything will be okay okay that makes sense thanks for explaining that can you tell us what what do you think if we are, I'm sure everybody now wants to go eat at a salad meister, but when we're not eating at a restaurant like yours where we do feel guilt-free, what mm-hmm. can we do? Like, what should we be looking out for or what actions can we take to still reduce our footprint? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think one of the hardest parts for uh, a lot of younger people especially is trying to learn how to cook appropriately is that's what's re- that's one of the things that's very difficult is you go to the grocery store and you buy twenty dollars of you know different produce and dairy and and meat and then you come home and you cook a meal and nine times out of ten you're you're cooking meals that are for two or four people even though you might not have two or four people eating yeah so then that's when it starts to that's when it starts to become important that you plan and find things that you can either you know, cook one and done meals, which is definitely harder mm-hmm. or just find like what, what I've done is I've, I've found four or five things that I can eat almost on a daily basis. 
So I cook something and eat it on Sunday. And then I have either one or two other meals sitting in my fridge for me that I'll follow up and eat on Wednesday or Friday. And that is one of the hardest parts is that you're having to fight several battles of a, it's very difficult for people our age to find stuff they were willing to eat again and again and again, because we're foodies and we want variety. Um, And then B learning how to cook things with portions so that you're able to know you're cooking something that you can eat two times or three times or four times. Yeah. And that is a hard step. That's why I think so many people have turned to things like blue apron and other, other delivery services Mm -hmm. because we, we do like the idea of at least learning what, what does $8 of food look like? How many meals do I get out of this? And I do think those are great for teaching people how to do that, but I'm also not a big fan of people continuing to use those full force all the time Mm because it does use a lot of like, I shouldn't say a lot. It uses a decent amount of packaging and other things that are, are, are still difficult. Hopefully though, those, those companies will be able to get everything green friendly soon enough and maybe that won't be an issue. Yeah. Something else with that too, that I learned recently, I think I saw this, on an Instagram account that I follow that's about like environmentally friendly stuff and they were talking about Amazon and how if you're ordering something for Amazon try not to do like two-day shipping or something like that really fast shipping because a lot of times they'll send a truck out to deliver something and it's not even full with packages because it has to deliver these ones super fast and so therefore it's using Mm -hmm. a lot more gas than it needs to be And so even things like that, that you wouldn't even think of as having to worry about with the environment, but even how we order stuff to be delivered to us or like the blue apron kind of thing like that. it I think it's a fun option for sure. But like you said, maybe not one to use forever because that's a lot of gas that's constantly being delivered in a huge truck to your house. Yeah. And even even more so than a truck is planes. That's and that's one of the that's one of the bittersweet realities about anybody that has the idea of loving to see a completely green America and green world is that we will have to take it in stride because, you know, uh, if you look at our petroleum usage, a huge, huge chunk of it is planes. So until we're able to get packages shipped and people taking off and landing with green energy, we're not going to be making as much of an impact as we'd like to. And that's why I always just tell people like, start on a small scale, start with yourself, start with eating at places that you feel are, are coinciding with what you'd like to see to support them. And I think our first goal should just be trying to, instead of necessarily being quote unquote green, just be quote unquote clean. Yeah. You know, it, we can, we can, we can stop using as much plastic and not having it float around the ocean. That's clean. It's green too, but it's just, that's where we should start is can we just clean everything first as we try to transition into making everything green friendly. Yeah. And the easiest way to do that is to find ways to stop using as much plastic. And hopefully once, once the businesses see that there's a demand for more green products, they will absolutely do everything they can to make their customers happy. So once they see that it's a a viable solution to go green, they absolutely will. Absolutely. Another similar question I have for you is, so something that I do when I'm like eating out at a restaurant, I will try to take stuff back with me. This is kind of embarrassing, but like if I'm using, if a restaurant has those little butter 
containers instead of just mm. butter on your plate that are plastic, I will like take them home with me to recycle because I feel like, okay, they're probably not going to recycle this tiny little thing, like go wash it out and recycle it. And I feel kind of dumb doing it because it's, it's so small and I feel like I'm probably not making that much of a difference, but it makes me feel better if I do this. Do you think like how, how can people help with that kind of thing if they are eating at a restaurant and they notice, okay, there's a lot of waste, they're using styrofoam, whatever it is like, yeah, just what, what advice would you have for people if they are feeling guilty and want to do something like, do you think it's worth it to, you know, say something about it like oh you guys should think about switching to not styrofoam or whatever it is like how can we make a difference if we're at a restaurant that's not conscious of those things yeah and what i'll what i'll do is um because this is really important to me is i will i will first explain where the issue comes from because i feel like that's important to us for how we find a proper solution and then i will try to offer like what i think is the best way to to really get it fixed What's really difficult right now that uh, entrepreneurs are, are facing in America is that for a long time, we saw plenty of businesses that were um, skirting regulations. They were, they were bending you know, the rules of morality to try to turn a profit. And that happened for a long time. So as the pendulum swung back and we wanted to regulate those businesses for all the right reasons, I think the pendulum has kind of swung too far. And that's what we're kind of seeing right mm-hmm. now. We saw people, you know, full-fledged doing what I would call evil things. Like, you know, if you're dumping waste into a river, I mean, that is levels of immorality I can't even describe. Mm-hmm. But we got so amped up to protect that as we should that it kind of went a little too far. That now the reason why you're seeing packages of butter and packages of Parmesan cheese is because regulation got so far that a lot of the local and county health departments would no longer allow businesses to use a container of cheese on your table. So then restaurants had to buy packages and they would no longer let, you know, businesses put a couple, um, you know, a couple leaflets or something of whipped butter onto a plate and give it to you because it was just uncovered on the plate. And I'm sure that hopefully not very many, but I'm sure one or two restaurants are probably trying to get away with reusing that stuff as they shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But that's what happened is that's where, that's where a lot of this came, came from is we're seeing more stuff packaged because uh, the regulation went from really, really, really being needed and then being implemented to just going just a shade too far that now we're creating more plastic containers and more definitely not green friendly containers that we're having to see more and more because restaurants are having to make those changes to fit inside the law. And so that's kind of the shame of it is the problem you're describing is rampant because yeah, you're trying to to help it on an individual level, but it's every restaurant almost everywhere now is having to buy stuff smaller prepackaged for that exact reason. So instead of you being able to get like a little side of strawberry jam, you see more and more places just having the packages on the table. Yeah. Well, those things are jacked full of preservatives in a plastic container that you're right. No one is going to wash those things out and recycle them. They're all going in the garbage. Right. So it's hard because I think a lot of people in our generation still see a lot of um, businesses that are taking advantage of things. 
but I would I would argue that by and large the smaller mom and pop places, the individual owned places, they're really just trying to do whatever they need to do to fit inside of the law. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that our generation starts to see where those regulations are truly needed and where they're not. And that's one of the things that I would like to go back to is, you know, you should just be able to give somebody a side of butter and like a little, you know, side dish or on a side plate and that should be fine. So that way we're not using the just rampant amount of small containers that we're using now for cheeses and butters and jams and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that us as a generation, as we become more older and politically active, that we're able to separate the difference between a factory dumping toxic waste and does the mom and pop restaurant down the street from me need to have packaged butter or not. So I hope, I hope that's what we can do is we can create better solutions. Right. And I think too, even just the little things, like if I go to a restaurant now, lately I've been trying to make sure when I ask for water or whatever I'm getting to drink, I say, and I don't need a straw. And (laughs) I I feel like, again, that's another really small thing. But if I do that for the rest of my life at every restaurant I go to, that's going to make a difference. And, you know, if 10 people do that, like if, if millennials all started doing that, like asking for no straw, that's going to make a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And see, that's what I think too, is that you get used to it really fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, I started doing the same thing. I just kept telling places and I love drinking through a straw too. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> like I'll admit it. I just, I feel like that's the only way for me to drink, but <laughs> I, I start I, I started asking you know that I didn't need one and then um, I got used to it really fast and what what you'll notice though is that from being a restaurateur what I can tell you is that you always follow what your what your orders need so if I look and I you know months ago I ordered five six cases of plastic straws which thankfully I didn't but like if I was just wearing plastic straws and I need to order five cases and then I saw that I need four cases the next month and then three cases the month after that and two cases the month after that. Well, what I would look back at is I would say, man, I was ordering a hundred dollars a month of plastic straws and that's what I budgeted. So that's what I'm used to. Now I'm ordering $20 of plastic straws. Can't I just get paper ones instead for 35? Right. And now I'm still saving money. And that's exactly what the businesses are going to do. If, if our generation can commit to, You know, we don't have to walk around and tell everybody that, you know, they have to go without a straw. But if we lead by example and we don't take the straw, it's something that sounds so silly and so small that it's never going to have an impact. But I can guarantee you it will. Mm -hmm. Because if the business sees that they have that kind of play and flexibility in their budget and they they hear their customer saying, you know, I don't want a straw. Well, why don't you want a straw? Because you, you want it to be paper. You want it to be recyclable. Or, or I should say biodegradable. Mm-hmm. I think that it, it really will not take much time before the whole industry starts to be much more proactive for making those changes because they're just, they're, they're taking saved money and going green. Yeah. I like that. It's something that seems so easy that all of us could do. Like you said, it's fun to drink through a straw, but we don't really need it. And once you get into the habit of saying it, I'll even do it for like our whole table. Like if I'm out with a group after we order our drinks, I'll be like, and none of us need straws. And some people look at me like, wait, I like a straw. And I'm like, too bad. And then I educate them on why. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about the other side of your business, which is healthy eating. So do you, do you consider salad meister fast food? 
I I do. I say it like um, kind of begrudgingly because fast food, yeah. you know, comes with a certain connotation. Yeah. Um, by industry standards, it's considered to be like um, fast food across the board. Yeah. And that's just that's kind of what I wanted it to be, though. I mean, I I had seen in my life, you know, working crazy hours and forgetting to eat lunch, and then I'm like, well, I got to grab something, and I only have ten minutes, so I go through a drive-through. And I order something yeah. that they're handing me, you know, plastic galore and a bunch of like to-go containers and stuff that, you know, most of it might be recycled cardboard. But even if you're throwing that in the garbage, you're not really doing much. So I that's when I really started to hone in on, okay, if I want to do this, it has to be quick. It has to be something that's affordable. It has to be convenient. So I've got to not only get people in and out fast, but I also have to be able to offer them delivery. Mm-hmm. That is where it really all it all came together for me that I realized it was going to take a lot to get people to see us as a fast food option without feeling like they're just going to go get, you know, a, a greasy, unhealthy burger, which, hey, yeah. we all love greasy, unhealthy burgers every now and then. But I think a lot of it is just because people didn't have the option. Yeah. And frankly, I think I've proven that just because of the, the volume of people. We serve 1,500 to 2,000 people a week. So there's clearly 1,500 or 2,000 people that were looking for this, and it just wasn't an option for them. Yeah. Well, and just to give people some context, because I'm assuming most people haven't set foot in Solid Meister before, I feel like, would you compare it to like a Chipotle maybe, where you like go in and go through the counter, and then you can take it right then and leave or um, sit down and eat? Yeah, it is very much modeled after Jimmy John's Chipotle. I, I knew that it had to be fast. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that people appreciate the most Yeah, is, is that, you know, you can, you can go into a Chipotle and even if there's a line, you can be in and out of there in 10, 12 minutes and salad Meister, there's definitely a line a lot of times, but most people can be out or in and out in 10, 12 minutes. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think matters to people a lot too, um, is that it's convenient enough that it's always an option because there is a lot of health eating places that they do a really good job of kind of putting on a show mm-hmm. where, where they'll like, they'll, they'll like chop stuff right in front of you, which is cool, but we just pre-chop everything and we, we use ceramic blades so it doesn't brown or oxidize and they might put it into a stainless steel bowl and drizzle the dressing from two feet away and flip it and it looks cool, mm-hmm. but at the same time, now they've dirtied a cutting board a knife they've dirtied a ceramic uh, bowl that they're handing you and they're also did put everything into a stainless steel bowl to swish everything around Mm -hmm. well that's where you're losing a lot of food waste because you're not going to get all the dressing out of that stainless steel bowl and you're not going to get absolutely every ingredient off that cutting board and now you have to wash all that so you're you're definitely going to be using some form of chemical and high temperature dishwasher to wash all that so Mm -hmm. In my eyes, it might be a really cool show, but unfortunately, there's nothing really green about it. So how how did you land on salads? Because I feel like probably people hear that and not not everybody likes salads, right? There are probably a good amount of people who would say, I, I don't really yeah. like eating salad. Or maybe yeah. the thought that, oh, a salad wouldn't fill me up, though. So how did you land on that? And, and then how do you go about making it a complete meal and something that is going to be a healthy option for everybody? That is a great question. And what I love to tell people, just to be completely honest, is I don't like salads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, like I didn't. 
I, and that was the challenge is that I had to convince myself that it was a viable option. I had to convince myself that it was going to taste good and fill me up and it was going to be something that I would actually want. Because if I couldn't convince myself to like it, then there was no way I was going to go around and passionately be able to explain to people why they should. Get yeah. It. So, so that's where I started is I, I said, you've got to make this good enough that you not liking salads are going to start liking salads. Yeah. <laughs> and what I, what I did was that I started with my 60, 40 rule. A lot of places you go that you're eating a salad, they will give you 60% lettuce and 40% ingredients at salad Meister. It's the opposite. 40% of what you're eating is greens, is lettuce, and 60% of it is you're having fruits, nuts, mm. cheeses, berries, vegetables. Like that's that's what I think is the big difference maker for people is that you're having something healthy, but not because you're having a bunch of grass. You're you're eating something healthy because it's loaded with things that you do need, like getting getting proteins from different sources, getting getting carbonate carbs from different sources. That's what I think is so nice about mm -hmm. it is I started convincing myself and by doing that, I was able to make something that now convinces other people. And that's also why we offer wraps and soups is because a lot of people walk in and they say, you know what, I just don't like salads. And I look at them right now, I say, that's okay, neither did I. And I say, what you should do is you should get a Southern Spice wrap because it's just gonna taste like a really healthy burrito to you. Mm -hmm. And they try it and they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. And I said, okay, cool. Now the next time you come in, get a Market Fresh wrap. And you'll see that it's a, a even healthier wrap that still makes you feel like you're sitting down and eating a burrito that's getting you super full. Yeah. And eventually the person that comes in and the first time they get, you know, a, a drenched ranch dressing salad, they're getting introduced to healthy eating. And that's what I like is that once they get introduced to it, they feel more comfortable with it. You know, we don't we don't demand that people walk in and love blueberry lemongrass salads because it turns off a lot of people you can come in and you can make yourself a caesar salad and you're going to be getting some all natural or organic ingredients that you're going to be able to at least get introduced to the idea of how you can eat healthy and still have something taste good yeah well and if anybody is in question on if it's filling or not i should try to get a psa from one of the football players because i know you get a lot of the football players that come in there and get lunch right for sure. Yeah, definitely. A lot of a lot of athletes, um, a lot of military people, a lot of firefighters, a lot of guys that definitely consume a lot of food. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know one of our O linemen goes in there all the time. And so if it fills up an O lineman, I feel like who who wouldn't it fill up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was what was important to me is I'm I'm not a small guy. I'm six four, I'm two hundred and five pounds. Yeah. It had to be something that would fill me up. And that's what I like too is that it really can cater to everybody and make people feel comfortable. Um, you know, you'll see a young lady that, you know, she comes in and she tells me that she's dealt with weight problems her whole life and she just wants to be able to feel better about herself. And we have nothing in there that makes people feel uncomfortable. We don't, we don't have ingredients that they don't know and don't understand. We wanted to yeah. make everything that it made anyone feel welcome so that they could start. Yeah. That's, that's what I like most is that it doesn't matter if it's someone who loves working out or someone who's never worked out. It doesn't matter if someone's just trying to be healthy for the first time or if they've been healthy their whole lives. Right. We've, we've really cultivated something that it, it just makes everybody feel like there's something in there for them. And then you'll see this progression that they take where 
they start to order things that are healthier. They start to they start to eat a half of a wrap and be full instead of a full wrap and be full. It's just nice to see the progression because you know you're serving something that is not only green friendly for the environment, but it's making every single person in there a little healthier. That's great. Okay, so why why is using local and organic ingredients an important part of all of this? Well, I think it's important, but I also always want to be completely honest with people about why and how we're choosing to try things. Organic right now does have a lot of issues. And one of the biggest issues is that it has a very low yield. So something that you could normally grow on a certain amount of land and get an abundance of lettuce or you know potatoes and stuff like that, or like avocados. We have hydro- hydroponic ground avocados, so they're grown indoors hydroponically. So it can be 24 7, 365 that they're grown and they don't, they're grown standing tall. They don't take up land. So there's a lot of those things that are new and different that right now have their own issues. Hydroponic, a lot of people hear that and they're like, wait a minute, it's not even grown outdoors. That sounds kind of weird. It does. It does sound weird. Or that, you know, when you're, we're trying to use organic products, some of those organic products have really low yields, which means that the amount of food you're getting for the work being done can still be a problem. If a farmer is still using, you know, big equipment, driving, using diesel and stuff like that, and they're having a lower yield, well, now they're, how, how green friendly is organic if it's taking just as much, if not more, to create? Well, the important thing is that we still give those things a try and we balance out what works best so that we can try to make things better and give people the right options. Because what I like to do is look people in the face and say, this everything on our board is marked as whether or not it's local or not whether or not it's organic or not whether or not it's all natural and all those things are honest right in front of people because they change all the time depending on the time of year and they change based off of what we find for research so someone will come in and you know they'll say oh like are your strawberries uh gmo free and instead of just simply saying yes they are gmo free I say, well, actually, strawberries have never been a GMO product. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So like I, I try to get I try to get a little sometimes probably over educational. And when people come in and they say, oh, hey, like I, I noticed that your, uh, you know, this product was organic a couple weeks ago and now it's not. I'll say, yeah, like currently we're getting stuff that is from California and some of the northern California farmers are organic and some of the southern ones are not. So I just like to be honest with people. I like to tell them, look, organic does have its issues. It's not offered everywhere. A lot of times it's hard to get things that are local. Sometimes it's impossible to get things that are organic. Sometimes it's impossible to get things local. But that's why I like just being upfront and honest with people that here's the menu glass right in front of you and everything is marked with what it is. And it's just being honest. Yeah. And that's what I think is good is that You know, trying to offer things that are organic and local is important. But the reason why it's important is so that we know which battles to face and which problems we need to solve. Not necessarily just to make people feel better about it, but because I I want people to understand the truth behind those things and how we can actually improve them. So I want people to understand the difference between an organic or all-natural strawberry, but I want them to understand that we're nowhere near having those things to just absolutes where we know that that's what we can do both as a restaurant industry and as a concept in Saudmeister and as a community as a whole, I just am always willing to share with people all the good, bad, and the ugly of what we're going through so that they can help us make the best decisions. 
That's great. With that, do you have any tips for people just who are doing their own personal grocery shopping? Since, you know, for a lot of people, they're probably hearing that and maybe feeling like, oh, wait, well, I thought if I bought just organic produce, then I was being really healthy. Do you have any tips for just us as consumers how to sort through that? Yeah, I think one of the good things is, is that our generation by and large is we're really good self-educators. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, we're, we're on our phones plenty and we're online plenty. Um, whenever you get a chance, just see if there's any products that are listed as all natural that are, there's a lot of all natural products out there that there is literally no difference between whether or not it's organic or all natural. Yeah. And when I say no difference, I mean like, um, the, the chicken that we've used for a long time is considered to be a cage-free chicken that is all natural, but it's not considered organic because of one thing. And that's when it's a baby chick and it has been born for a day. It gets a puff of antibiotic into its lungs so that it doesn't die. So, right. so if you don't give those chicks that puff of, puff of uh, antibiotic to keep it alive, there's a chance, there's a huge chance that instead of getting 98% of those baby chicks to survive, you're going to get 65%. Well, now not have we, not only have we wasted that chick's life and all the energy that it costs to create it, but now we're just cutting ourselves off of something that off of one small, very natural or antibiotic that it could get to stay alive. We're not calling it organic. Um, and that's what I think we need to just keep, keep self-educating as much as you can, because there will be places that you can go in grocery stores that say it's all organic. That is not a bad place to start, but I would always just see if you can compare it to other products that you might be able to just Google search products like this Mm -hmm. and type in the name of the product. And you might find out that that product that you've been paying extra money for, that it has a lower yield, that there's actually very little to no difference between an all natural product. Yeah. That's what's hard about the organic front right now Mm -hmm. is that, Organic, organic is safer and healthier for a lot of ways, but it's not without its own problems. And one of its, one of its own problems is the marketability. Right. People love to sell our generation organic things when it might not even need to go through that rigorous a prof, uh, of a process to, to actually be quote unquote organic. Right. And I think self-education is the key. If you're, if you're going shopping and you have a few extra seconds, you go and you look at an organic product just double check, say products like blank, type it in your phone and see if something pops up. And you might be surprised to learn that the the organic product you're buying is has and always will be organic because there is a lot of products that are created that don't get any kind of uh, harsh pesticides or antibiotics already, but they're charging you an extra two bucks and slapping on the cover that it's, that it's organic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So so we have to be careful of that as well. Absolutely. I think that's one reason why sometimes I prefer buying local over buying organic. You know, if it's if it's both, that's great. But I would probably rather shop at the farmer's market than just shop at a chain store and look for only organic things just because it's nice to be able to just ask the farmer themselves about, you know, how it was made or what's what's in it. Yeah. And again, like, and again, we talked about it, you know, we want to always try to uh, keep things as positive as possible and offer solutions. But that's also a true problem is that there's a lot of people getting busted at farmer's markets from walking into a grocery store, buying products, then they go out on a Tuesday morning or a Saturday morning, they set up a booth and they say they're from Meister Farms. 
and they just start selling people stuff that they bought at the grocery store. And that's just, that's what's, yeah, that's what's so hard right now is that we are having a very uphill battle for actually knowing whether or not things are actually local, knowing whether or not things are actually organic. It is a very, very hard battle out there right now. Oh, wow. Because I can, I can guarantee you on a, on a weekly or even daily basis all across the country, including our own communities, that there are people that are walking into their local grocery store and they're just buying as much, you know, corn or as much, you know, beans or as much something that they can just totally get away with. And they'll just say, oh, yeah, here's the organic cheese I made. And they sell it for three dollars more than they bought it for. And it's not organic. It's not local. They got it from the grocery store. Oh, because unfortunately, there's again, that's where we talked going back to regulation. We have to make sure that there's we there's a careful process for regulating stuff like a farmer's market where everyone's supposed to just be local guys, bringing, local guys and girls bringing out their food to try to sell it um, directly to the consumer. And there is plenty of people there that are just there to take advantage of people. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Now I, yeah. I have my guard up a little. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a shame because like I said, um, every time that I give talks to people, um, whether or not it's classrooms or symposiums or about green friendly, or I do a big talk on conscientious capitalism, I do, I always have to give people the honest, hard truth. And a lot of times it's very daunting for people to hear it. But it's important just because, unfortunately, I think millennials across the board, we have to keep our guard up. We have to be very careful about what we what we see and believe. And that's why I think we already feel that way. And I think that's why we all spend a lot of time researching what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I don't I don't think that's going to go anyway anytime soon. Um, as a generation, as we try to make things better, uh, we will always have to keep our guard up for what is really going on around us. Right. I think that's good. And that leads me to my next question, which was with that, are there any other myths about even just eating healthy or eating salads? You know, we talked about the myth of like, it's not going to fill you up. Is there anything else like that that you would want to address? Um, well, I think that, I think that it, thankfully, I feel like most of them are no longer necessarily myths. It's just yeah. all a matter of, you know, like a good thing, a perfect example, like you said is uh, people hear a salad and they think of a side salad that comes for free before they get a big meal. Right. Um, we serve 32 fluid ounces of salad. So it is it is quite large. Most of our salads and wraps weigh just over a pound. So the average person during a meal will eat, you know, 8 to 12 ounces. Well, that's not even a that's not even a full pound and most of our stuff is. So the best part about it is, is that that's where it matters more about your caloric intake, the amount of calories you're having Mm -hmm. instead of how much, how much actual food, because you can sit down and have a pound of a salad or a pound of a wrap at Saladmeister. And you're usually taking in somewhere in the neighborhood of five to six or 700 calories. Yeah. So not only are you getting full, but you're not getting full by sacrificing too many calories. And that is always where I tell people to start is anytime someone says, well, you know, how do I lose weight? I always say, look, before you even worry about eating healthy, try to just actually eat what you're supposed to in amount of calories. Because what will happen is, is someone will make themselves a plate of nachos and they'll be floored that that's 1200 calories and that they're already, you know, halfway into the calories they're allowed to have that day or more mm-hmm. versus if they come in and I give them an Asian Zing wrap 
and the Asian zinc salad is only 474 calories. And there's like, my God, I couldn't finish this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I say, yeah, see, this is, this is why it's important to understand you can, you can have less calories and be full all the live long day yeah. off of a salad or a wrap than you can when some people will make themselves a snack and not even realize they're having a thousand calories. Right. So that's, that's one of the things that I, you know, I do think that there's a lot of misconceptions, but I also think that we've done a really good job of completely obliterating those. You know, my, my brother is a special forces soldier who was taking in 4,000 calories a day when he was in training and he came in and he had a uh, campus cob with double chicken and he couldn't finish it. <laughs> so like if there's, if there's no, if, if I can still get guys that are special forces and doing that kind of caloric intake to be full off of one meal, then I'm positive that it'll work just fine for other people. Yeah. That's good to know. I like it. Okay. What would you say is the main thing you want people to know walking away from today? If you could only pick one thing you want people to walk away with, what would it be? I, I think what's most important to me is just that people feel welcome because everything else I can get them to understand and want to be a part of healthier eating, green products, being in a business that's labor friendly, all those things I can, I can slowly make them feel part of and educate them to. But it all starts from being welcomed because I went around and for years was researching this and I went to dozens of different healthy eating concepts, salad concepts, wrap concepts, soup concepts. And that was one of the hardest parts for me was that I felt like they all had a very big chain look and appeal to them, which kind of I didn't really enjoy as a millennial. I like to try to eat and support local places as much as I can. And I felt like right when I walked in that if I didn't want to have a, a yogurt, you know, lemongrass, blueberry salad, that they would look at me crazy. And I just, I'm, I would just explain to them, look, I'm trying to eat healthy. This is new to me. I like avocado, but I don't know if I like it on everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't feel welcomed and I didn't feel like I could start small. I felt like I had to jump right into eating stuff I had never eaten before and didn't even know if right. I liked. And it was just uncomfortable. Yeah. So I designed Salad Meister from the get-go to be a smaller, more intimate place where people felt comfortable talking to me and my staff so that in the two minutes that I'm making them a salad, I can fill the little gaps between what ingredients they like with also talking to them. Uh, you know, are, are you eating here for the first time? Are you trying to lose weight? Are you trying to eat a little healthier? Are you just trying to, uh, are you excited there's finally an option that's quick like this that you don't feel like you're, you know, getting unhealthy or fat by eating it? I fill those little gaps just to try to learn more and more about people because I found that the, the vast majority of our customers will eat there between two and four times a week. And I just want people to feel welcome so that then they can feel like they can talk to me. They can be honest with me. They can say, look, I don't even know what organic is. Why should I care? You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Let me talk to you about it. Let, let me go through all the good and bads of it. And we can, we, I can really talk to you about it. Uh, right. And I spend a lot of time answering emails, answering Facebook messages about people that say, hey, look, I, I can't have coarse sugar. Like what products of yours have coarse sugar in it? And I love being able to tell them that mm-hmm. very, very, very few things do. I love when they ask me what's organic and I can tell them. I love it when they ask me what's all natural and I can tell them. And that comes from feeling welcomed. And that comes from a lot of direct contact with me personally. I feel like if they were just, you know, at this stage especially, if they were just talking to some person that was hired to Google the answers before they gave it to somebody 
it's not as upfront as honest as I reply and people are shocked that, you know, the answer to their question via the Facebook page or via the email um, is me. And I think that means a lot to them adding to that. If they feel comfortable coming in, then they start to feel better that everything's green. They start to feel better about the concept. They start to feel more comfortable with bragging to their friends about it. And then they don't feel like it's, awkward or weird to tell their friends that they eat at a place called salad meister because people don't like salads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they feel more comfortable saying no. Like I talk, I've talked to the owner a couple times. Like he's really friendly. He's really helpful about it. He'll, he'll show you that if you're a, if you're a, if you're a meat and potatoes guy, you know, that I can, I can bring you in there and I can, I can really make you a chicken cheese, egg, bacon wrap. And there's mm-hmm. nothing about it that is going to feel like you're eating something healthy. But yeah. because those aren't frozen products and because they aren't jacked full of preservatives and because they're mostly all natural things that you're already eating healthier just by having an egg that has not gone through a bunch of different chemical processes to get how it is. And that's what I think is the best part is I'll have kids that walk in there and they give me just that big frown face of, oh my gosh, I do not like anything green or anything healthy. And I'll say, that's no problem. I'm going to make you a little chicken cheese ranch bacon wrap. And they're like, oh, okay, well, what's healthy about that? Well, it's way, way, way healthier to get that product from Salad Meister than it is to go into a restaurant that's using a lot of fryer oils and using a lot of frozen products. So while it's not the thing I would recommend for someone to eat healthier, it's still something that makes children and other people who are picky eaters feel comfortable. And that's why I think that matters more than anything else. I love going green. I love being a green business. I love being a labor-friendly business. I love being a place that's healthy. But the bottom line is, is that no one is going to come try it out unless they feel welcomed. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's so true with everything that we've talked about. Like even if it I think it can feel really overwhelming to learn about like even just all the different types of waste in a restaurant. And I don't ever want it to be like someone feels so overwhelmed that they do nothing. (laughs) So I think, you know, like you were saying, like even if it's just starting with the straw thing, like just doing that, like we said, you're going to make a big difference. So I like that you brought that up. And what's, I think what's hard for, for all of us that have um, been on this path for a while is that it's really, really important that we don't ever get um, overwhelming or preachy to people because that also will turn people off. So you, you want it to be, you want it to always come off as a bonus that, you know, salad meister isn't going to look at you sideways. um, If you bring in a plastic cup from Starbucks, like that's not what we're about. We're not going to preach to you. We're not going to demand that you make changes. We're just going to show you that they're, they're easier to make than you think and that they matter more than you think. And I think that's a much better way, especially for our own generation to convince each other that that's the way to go is to not, you know, berate or dismerge one another by how we act, but just to show them that it's a better way to go. That's great. So how, this is a random question, but how did you learn about all these things? Like, because obviously you were in the restaurant industry for a while and you saw maybe the problems with it, but how did you learn about all the solutions and ways that you could make a difference because yeah. you sound like a guru on all of this so people are probably wondering <laughs> how did you get all this knowledge well thanks like i never consider myself to be a guru um <laughs> but, but but i think i think really truly like what it is is that um how i how i learned about all this and how i created the solution was honestly 100 percent through passion 
I, I had a passion to create something that was going to solve problems. I had a passion to create something that I was going to feel proud of because I, I know that it might sound weird to a lot of people, but it would seriously keep me up at night that I had filled a dumpster from bottom to top with stuff that I knew was going to a garbage heap. And I know a lot of people that wouldn't bother them for plenty of rational reasons. But for me, I just didn't like seeing that I was not in any way, shape or form helping the issues. I, I was trying my best in an industry that had very few options for how to go a better path. And I realized that sometimes you have to make that path. So I, I self-educated like crazy. I went to a lot of food shows. I talked to dozens of distributors. I talked to dozens of producers and farmers. I started to ask them like, well, why do I receive this in plastic? Is it just because it's cheap? Is it because I'm not buying enough at one time? Am I, do I need to commit to buying more? Things like with my salad dressings, like, you know, I, I wanted to know, like, is this box that it comes in necessary? Can you just ship it to me without, without being in a box? And there's things like that where like, you know, a lot of our, a lot of the stuff that we use, we make on our own, but then there's some stuff that we still get for now and all that stuff that we get, it was just important. Like, how can I take some of this stuff out of the equation so that we're, we're being more green friendly. And that's, that's why, like, there's a lot of stuff there that I just looked at and I said, you know, in this restaurant industry, what can I cut out? And surprisingly, a lot of people just hadn't asked and a lot of people hadn't tried to find solutions. And that's what I wanted to do. It all came from passion. I wanted to know what all of my options were and what all my solutions were. Mm -hmm. And I just kept self-educating until I could come up with something that I knew top to bottom was going to be as green as possible on the path to being completely green. Well, I, that's good to know because it makes me feel better. Like we can all be like you someday. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, okay. Do you have time for some fun questions? Sure. Okay. How about um, some good advice that you've gotten recently? Um, I think that a lot of the good advice I get, thankfully, is uh, from my parents. Uh, I got really lucky in that department because they've just always been supportive of my uh, crazy dreams with, you know, always offering uh, advice and um, really supporting me as customers. Like my mom, as funny as it is, is like, I think the third highest volume person purchasing Saladmeister. Our, uh, our online app keeps all of the information for how often people order and how much they buy. And I think my mom is third or fourth. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. So um, my mom always, uh, always reiterates to me that she knows I want to fundamentally change the world and that that is a, to a lot of people, laughable and silly thing. Um, but she always just reminds me to let those voices kind of be drowned out by my own passion. And, um, she just had to reiterate that to me the other day. You know, I was talking about how I just, you know, I want to open a store every eight weeks. I know I can do it. I can, I can work at it hard enough and I can take it seriously enough that I can really go crazy with this. And, you know, she was like, yeah, absolutely. Keep that, keep that in your head, knowing that sometimes you're, you are going to have to slow down to how the world turns. And not everybody is going to, yeah. not everybody is going to want to go green as fast as you. Not everybody's going to be willing to make some of those sacrifices especially right. financially. So she's just always reminding me like, you know, let those voices be drowned out when you're dealing with passion, but also keep your patience for as, as things do change, they're probably going to always happen slower than you want. Hmm. Well, moms are the best. That's some <laughs> yeah. good advice. Yeah. Uh, how about, do you have someone that you look up to as a role model? Um, it's hard cause I actually have a lot of them that I take pieces from and I've learned, I've, I've learned by 
being fortunate enough to meet some of the people that I look up to that every, every person is a person. They all have flaws. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's things about them that you'll always want to look up to, but also recognize that you don't, you don't just want to become them because everyone has their flaws. So I would say that uh, for the most part, the, the people I look up to as a blanket statement are people who are unapologetically themselves. I apologize far too much for being me. You know, like people, people hear me say passionately how I feel like we should be able to make major leaps and bounds changes in a small period of time. And then I find myself apologizing for having too much ambition to do that. That's why I look up to people that they, they really set their own course and they don't apologize for wanting to make big positive changes. They don't apologize for having big ambitious goals. And there's a lot of people you could lump into that. You could lump in Elon Musk. You could you know, lump in Steve Jobs. You could say Jeff Bezos. There's a lot of people that are like that. And I'm certainly nowhere near the level that any of those people are. But they're not people that stumble over themselves apologizing for wanting to do what they want to do. And that's, that's what I look up to is I'd like to eventually get to a point in time where I, I'm giving a speech or I'm talking to my staff or I'm sharing my goals with people and I don't bookend it with apologizing for wanting to change the world for the better. Well, that's interesting. How about a impactful book that you've read? Well, there's, man, there's a bunch of them, but, um, I'm trying to think of the one that I would say is the best. Um, it's, it has nothing to do with business and just more to do with my own, uh, my own issues that I've had to get through. But I think Catcher in the Rye is probably one of my favorite books. Oh, okay. Um, just because I, I have dealt my, I have dealt with, uh, I've dealt with depression ever since I was a teenager and it's just something that now I live with. And I think the, it honestly comes from a mixture of depression is very much a chemical imbalance in your brain. But I think it's also just because I see the problems in the world yeah, and I want to fix them sure. and I want to fix them fast, that that causes me to have like this roller coaster ride of emotions of I get hyper ambitious and anxious to fix things. And then if I feel like things aren't happening or changing fast enough for the better, I start to slip into depression. And I think that that book has just helped me understand that you, you have to try to get better at the battle. The fight's always going to be there, but you just get better at how you fight it. And that goes back to me talking about being unapologetically myself, which is what I would like to do is now I've started to tell people openly and honestly that I deal with depression and everybody always has the same reaction. They're like, well, I would never think that somebody who's owned several businesses and ran for office and does charity work would ever be depressed. And I explain to them, I say, Hey, it's, it's my crutch, just like anybody else's crutch. That's part of the reason why I'm so ambitious. That's part of the reason why I want to fix things and make them better. Yeah. So I don't ever feel ashamed about it anymore, awkward talking about it, especially because a lot of the people that I talk to, I always take questions and have a question answer session every time I talk to a a class or a young entrepreneurship group, or if I go to one of the food shows, I always take Q and A's and I almost find an excuse to share my flaws with people. Because I don't want them to look at me and say, oh, man, he's got everything worked out and it's right. all he's doing it. He's doing it exactly how I wish I could, because I want them to understand that everybody always has their issue to deal with. And yeah. that way that if they have their problem, they can equate it to mine and they can feel like they can make a difference. So that goes back to the back to the book that it just it it makes you realize that there's going to be your demons that you have to deal with all the time. 
And instead of trying to be embarrassed by them or to ignore them, to just admit that you're there and try to do whatever you can to get better at fighting them. Because you'll probably never beat them completely, just get better at fighting them so you can be the person you want. Yeah, that's great. I I love that question. I always learn so much about people from it. It's one of my favorites to ask. So thanks for your honesty with that. I really love it. How about, is there anything that you, I think you were saying before we started recording, you like documentaries too. Is there anything you've listened to recently that you think other people should hear, like a documentary or a podcast episode or anything like that? Oh, like, um, I think I think one of the ones that I like, which is very, it's uh, kind of random, but I love uh, listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. Okay. Mostly just because to, to him, him is most of the time interviewing people about their story and just trying to get the absolute truth out of them for how they feel about things. But then he always challenges people just 100% based on reality. And that's what I like is he'll bring people on and they'll, they'll say who they are, how they came to be that person, their views on things, but he, he will always interject and challenge people if he feels like that their beliefs are unfounded or if that they need to provide more supporting evidence. And that's, that speaks to our generation because I think that's why we all like documentaries. I think it's the same reason we like education. We enjoy truth. And, you know, for every one of us out there that is sharing a fake meme every five seconds on Facebook, there's at least one of us that is out there and we re-research every single thing before we even comment or post it or share it or anything. And that is one of the things that I love the most about our generation is we're, we're fact finders, we're truth finders, and that's why I like yeah. documentaries and that's why I like, you know, watching shows and listening to podcasts that their, their base is truth finding. Yeah. I really, I, I, I really can't, um, watch most TV anymore because while stuff might be funny or entertaining, I realize more and more that most of the shows out there are always basing stuff off very, very loose facts or just flat out falsehoods. Right. That's interesting. So what, what was the name of the podcast again? It's the Joe Rogan podcast. He's a uh, okay. he was a comedian that he's also a UFC commentator. He's kind of left led a uh, jack of all oh. trades lifestyle. Okay, yeah, that sounds interesting. Okay, I'll, we'll put a link to that so other people can check it out. Which is also like, I mean, to my own, I just you know, I I think the hardest part for our generation is that most people fit into two roles. They either are really unsure what they want to do, but they know they want to make an impact where they know exactly what they want to do. And there's too much of it. Yeah. <laughs> like I like my dream day would be to, uh, you know, wake up and give a, you know, uh, via internet or via Skype speech to all my employees about how I hope they have a great day. And I hope that they focus on making our customers feel welcomed. And then, um, you know, like, uh, giving a public speech to a classroom of young entrepreneurs about conscientious capitalism and how they can balance making money and still helping the world be a better place, followed by going to a, um, you know, budget review as a senator to try to uh, see if I can make a better impact on our government. And then, uh, you know, come back to doing a book signing because I finished a book that explains to people how they can battle their own demons and still be successful. So for me, I'm definitely one of those people that I know exactly what I want to do. There's just so much of it, whereas there's so many people I meet 
that they know they want to do good and be helpful and they have no idea what they want to do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You do have a lot going on. I didn't realize you had all that going on. So that's really cool though. So one last question. How about a brand or product that you're loving lately? You could also put a plug for your book in here if you want. <laughs> oh, um, no, I can't do that. My, my book is uh, is not quite finished yet anyways, but it's called Out of the Darkness because that's exactly what it's about. It's about dealing with depression and how to still overcome any and all demons that you might have to be able to pursue what you want out of life. But it's, I mean, it's not going to be due out until probably the beginning of next year. Okay. But I, I really enjoy, there's a, um, there's a, a, a brand called Brandless, and uh, Brandless is taking a lot of what I feel, and they're um, they're doing it as well. Where uh, most of us are not really brand loyal, we just want to know what something is, honestly, honestly and upfront, and know what we're buying. Yeah. And um, taking that marketability out of products has lowered a lot of their costs because they're dealing directly with manufacturers. So they're saying, right. hey, look, we, we don't need this packaged all this different ways with this brand name on it. You manufacture for 12 different brands. So why can't you just give us that product in a brandless bag? And oh, that's okay. exactly what they that's exactly what they do. So, you know, their shampoo is shampoo. That's what it is. And okay. if you if you want to buy, you know, if you want to buy a detergent, they have a green friendly detergent that's called detergent. It's not a brand. It's not anything. It's everything on their site is $3 for the most part. Um, that's kind of what they're famous for is that the vast majority of their stuff is just honest about what it is. And most of it's three bucks. Okay. So if you want to buy, if you want to buy a regular shampoo bottle, that's pretty big for $3. You can do that. Or you can buy one that's completely environmentally friendly. That's a little smaller for $3. And you can do that. All right. So they sell clean products too. They sell a little bit of everything like um, uh, they, they expand every day, but I mean, you can get everything from, you know, products like for your bathroom to your kitchen, different things like you can get little snacks and food and coffee and all kinds of stuff from there. Oh, wow. Uh, but it's everything is just packaged to be no brand as minimal packaging as possible, mostly for the environment's sake. And it's cheaper that way because they're not having to pay for advertising. So, you know, if you buy a craft product, craft is not a bad, not a bad brand at all, but it's just, you know, five to 7% of their gross sales is spent on advertising. So that's what you're buying. Um, sure. But for brandless, they don't do any brands or any advertising. So yeah, that's where they save that money. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm learning a lot. I've never heard of some of these things, so I like it. Okay. Um, so I'm sure people are interested in learning more just about you probably because you are also a jack of all trades and have a lot going on. And I consider you a guru on the subjects we covered today. So if people want to learn more about you or your business, how can they connect with you? I always am happy to give people my personal email address. It's okay. my full name. It's Robert A. Meister at yahoo.com. And if people want to friend me on Facebook, I'm Robert Austin Meister. And I never turn down people emailing me or even Facebook messaging me for just about anything. I have people that ask me business advice. Um, I have people that deal with depression that they will message me when they're down. I have people that ask me everything from political advice to if they want me to come speak somewhere. Uh, the vast majority of the public speaking that I do is at a very, very low cost just because I don't do it to really make money. I just do it to try to be helpful. 
So a lot of times if people want to reach out to me and they say, Hey, like we want you to come out to, uh, you know, I had the last one that I did was in Washington, DC. They said, we want you to come out to DC and they, we want you to talk to our entrepreneurship group. And I said, sure. How much is the plane ticket? Buy the plane ticket. I'll fly out there, pay for the hotel and I'll come talk. So I actually didn't even make any money on that trip. I just, I just wanted to be helpful. And you uh, get requests for podcast interviews too. And you do respond to those pretty timely. (laughs) Yeah, I I do. I just, I I always love sharing information mostly just because I feel like the more I share my story, the more people will feel comfortable attacking their dreams. And I always, I always, I'm always totally honest about how, how hard it can be, but I also end cap everything with just making people feel like they really, really can make more of a difference that they think they can impact the world more than they think they can impact their family more than they think. And that no matter how hard something is, it is still well worth making the try because I still learn a ton, even when I failed at things. Yeah, that's cool. Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate just everything you shared, your honesty, um, just even with your personal life and just all the information you soaked up. It's I love being able to listen to this and not have to do research myself. <laughs> not that we shouldn't do our own <laughs> research, but I know this is yeah. for a lot of people the first time maybe they're hearing about some of this stuff. So it's really helpful just to have you put it in simple terms for us. And especially from a restaurant owner's perspective, I think that's really rich and we just appreciate you so much and so thanks for coming on yeah i it was an absolute pleasure you know i just um i i love being able to share my story and my messaging with people and always hope that it puts a positive spin on some very real issues that people feel optimistic about what we can change yeah absolutely So I know there was a lot going on in that conversation, but aren't you just ready to go eat at a Salad Meister? I've already checked for their new locations and they haven't posted them yet, but you can just pray that one is coming to wherever you live soon. There were so many concepts in this conversation about guilt-free food that I had really never thought about. Not only do we need to talk about the impacts on the environment, but we also need to talk about the impacts on our bodies as well as on the bodies of the people that are making our food. I love that there are restaurants out there and that the demand is growing for there to be more green, friendly, conscious living food options. And I also love that these options are actually affordable. Eating at Saladmeister is no more expensive than eating at any other fast food restaurant and it's healthy and guilt-free. I'm so thankful that this is a growing trend. Ever since this conversation, I have thought a lot about how much plastic I personally use, whether it's at a restaurant or just purchasing at the grocery store or whatever it is. We consume a lot of plastic and part of it isn't even really our fault because that's just what's available to us. But I encourage you to start thinking about how you can reduce your plastic intake and look for alternatives when you're in the grocery store or when you sit down for a meal. What Rob said is true, that biodegradable options are becoming more and more popular. So keep an eye out for those and don't hesitate to recommend them to a business when you see that there's a need to be filled. The talk about food waste was also really interesting to me. A lot of food is wasted due to the large portion sizes at restaurants and the amounts of food that go unused. While we can't control all of these things, it's another good thing for us to be thinking about when we're ordering and thinking about what we can actually eat, what will end up in the garbage, or what we can take home as leftovers. 
even though you might just feel like you're making one small impact. Like Rob said, the business owners are seeing this. The simple concept of supply and demand is so relevant here. When business owners see that there are less people wanting to use plastic straws or plastic forks, then they're gonna stop ordering as much. And there you have your impact. Again, don't feel overwhelmed by all the possibilities there are, but instead be thankful that there are these possibilities and just think about how you can start small. I'm sure most of you can relate to what Rob was saying about wanting to eat healthy, wanting to lose weight, or whatever it is, just live a clean lifestyle when it comes to the food that you're intaking. What he said about self-education is so true and so important. We have to know what it looks like to eat clean before we go out and purchase at the store or purchase at the restaurant. So figure out what products it's important for you to buy organic or what products it's important for you to buy local. And similarly, what products it might not matter at all. If you feel like a newbie to this area, I would highly encourage you to check out the documentary that I've recommended several times before called Fed Up. It's a great place to start learning about what clean eating looks like and thinking about preservatives and added sugar to our foods. I have a few more guests coming on where we're going to be talking about clean eating specifically and I'm super excited to learn more about this topic and to dive into it more because I know it's something that a lot of people are interested in. But in the meantime, be doing your research and it doesn't have to be intense textbook research. I have learned a lot over the years from documentaries on Netflix. Just saying, it's a great place to start. I hope you learned a lot in today's conversation and have realized some ways that you can take small steps to help clean up not only our planet, but also our bodies. And that's not just in our own kitchens, but even in today's restaurants. If you enjoyed this conversation, I would love to hear more about what you thought of it, and I would love it if you would leave a review and a rating on whatever app you're listening to. If you want to see any links from the show that Rob and I referenced today, you can see those on the show notes on this app also, or on my website, heartfelthippie.com. Make sure you also check out what Rob is doing, because like he said, he's doing a lot. He's got a book coming out and several restaurants opening, so make sure to give him a follow and reach out with any questions that you have, because I know from personal experience that he is truly happy to help. I have lots of good shows coming up, so make sure you stay tuned for my next episode releasing in two weeks. I've gotten to chat with so many awesome people, and I can't wait to share these conversations with you. So until then, keep taking steps to change the world because you are making a difference, and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out.